girl tell me the other day this. She said. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, Rick. And Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. So what kind of mischief have you been getting into in this new year? Well, uh, it's kind of early in the new year for me to have stirred up too much, but what I do... <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> please share. Well, what I, what I do have is uh, a lot of interviews um, teed up for this new year that we recorded uh, at the end of last year. I know, and, but we really need to pick a special one for our first interview of the year. Have you uh, have you narrowed it down? Do you I know have. what you're going to do? I have. What are you going to do? Uh, I think we are going to start the new year with uh, the CEO of Radio Flyer, wow. Mr. Robert Passan. And uh, not only is it just an iconic brand. Uh, it truly but, is. It brings back some just fantastic memories. Right? What a like tremendous brand. A brand that, that can sustain. I was secretly hoping you would choose this one. You were? Yes. Okay. Um, it's just, uh, you know, we'll get into it in the interview, but one of the reasons why I chose it for our inaugural podcast uh, is because it's about culture and how that has to come first. And so as we start a series of uh, interviews with brand leaders who talk about how they're uh, winning in today's marketplace, uh, the idea of putting culture first at the at the front of the train rather than at the end of the train um, seems like a great way to start the new year uh, by by sharing this interview first. Well, and culture is high concept, right? And uh, it only is ultimately impactful if it's an intentional choice on a daily basis, led by visionary and engaged leaders. And uh, I think what we've seen with Radio Flyer, they've really achieved that. That's right. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Nicole. Welcome to the Free Range. Today, we're thrilled to be talking with one of Chicago's leading CEOs who has tripled sales under his leadership and created a workplace now recognized as one of the best places to work by Fortune Magazine and Cranes. Welcome to the show, Chief Wagon Officer of the iconic Radio Flyer Wagons, Mr. Robert Passan. Hi, Robert. Hey, Nicole. It's great to be here. Thanks for coming today. We appreciate your being on the show. So Radio Flyer, wow, what a brand. We all know it from our childhoods, and now sometimes some of us are even parents to children, but you really grew up with the brand. So what was it like growing up in the Radio Flyer family? Well, it was wonderful. I mean, my grandpa started the company uh, in 1917. He was an Italian immigrant who came to Chicago in search of a better life. And he quickly put his uh, skills to work. He was a cabinet maker, so he knew how to make things out of wood. Um, and he was able to start a small furniture, basically out of a garage. He started making furniture and he made phonograph cabinets and, and other things. And one of the things he made early on was a little wooden wagon that he called the Liberty Coaster after the statue that welcomed him to America. Um, and pretty soon he was selling more wagons than anything else. And like yeah. any entrepreneur, he went with what was selling. Um, and pretty soon he was uh, out of the furniture business and solely in the wagon business. That's fantastic. And so then, you know, it translated down to your father and now you running the company. So um, have you brought some of that family culture into your organization? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of things have changed. Of course, we've had to stay relevant. But some of the things that haven't changed, I think, are 
and, and are, that are really in the DNA of our company are the things that my grandpa started with. He had a real passion for design. Um, he always wanted to make really beautiful products that were of the highest quality. And that really came from the fact that he was a craftsman. Um, and he also always treated people with respect and, and kindness. He was just a wonderful person who believed that, you know, he had a lot of hardship as an immigrant. Um, and when he made it and had some success, he always wanted to share that success with others. So from very early on, he created a very positive, uh, good workplace. And I think those are some of the things that are still really uh, key parts of who Radio Flyer is today. So you've institutionalized the culture into the organization. And, you know, I think a lot of leaders today um, are striving to figure out how to, you know, bring a great culture into their organization. And, you know, when you see the great leaders that do do that, it isn't an accident. It's something that's very purposeful and intentional. So what are some of the things that you did to really bring that forth in your organization? Yeah, the, I mean, the, one of the key words you just said is intentional, and that's what we did. We just became very intentional, and we viewed, you know, one of the things that we're really good at is designing products. And we said, well, if our culture were a product, how would we want to design it? And we just started looking at all of the different aspects of culture, the people, how we work together, um, how we set goals together, what we celebrate, and one of the kind of guiding principles that we use always is that we know we get better at what we measure and we know that we become what we celebrate. So we spend a lot of time determining what kinds of things we are going to measure in the culture. And, and there is a lot that you can measure. A lot of times people say, well, culture is this, you know, it, it's this amorphous thing. And it, it's really not. You can, you know, through surveys, um, through performance management, you can measure a lot of how your culture is performing. And then we spend a lot of time celebrating and, and we don't just celebrate for celebration celebration's sake. Um, we celebrate, you know, people who live our values. Um, we give out awards. Um, when we uh, have a big success, you know, we, we celebrate those things intentionally because we are holding those behaviors and accomplishments up and that people see that and then they want to do more of it. Do you think that what you believe translates into an actual competitive advantage and, and what you believe, meaning the culture that you've been intentional about creating uh, beyond just retention and, you know, um, great evaluations and internal happiness? But do you believe that actually translates into a marketplace advantage? I do believe that. It's really one of my core beliefs. And I think the results of our company have demonstrated that an investment in the team and culture delivers results we would not have the growth that we have without that. Um, and you know, our, our, our main function as a company is that we design and develop products that we sell to people, to families, um, to uh, parents and kids. And so in order for us to do an amazing job of developing those products, we have to have a team and culture that understands what consumers want, that can work effectively together, um, that can be creative, that can be a safe environment for failure because we make consumer products. So there's a lot of products that don't succeed. So we need to have a, a culture of very high trust so that when those things don't go well, we can be open about it and learn from those mistakes so that we can do even better in the future. I want to shift gears just a little a bit because I do think 
uh, especially when I speak with leaders, uh, young leaders and, uh, and, and more seasoned leaders, sometimes culture is really an afterthought. It's something often, unfortunately, that gets thought about when things aren't good. Um, and so it's kind of an interesting question, but do you, th- this is kind of a chicken or the egg question, and there's no right answer, right, to the chicken and the egg question, but do you think the brand, the brand Radio Flyer, defines the culture, or do you think your culture really defines the brand? I think in our case, when we started to get really intentional about what kind of culture we wanted to create here, we started with the brand. And since we are a legacy brand, um, and this is 20 years ago when we really started focusing on articulating what our culture should be and formalizing the, the mechanisms to deliver that culture, we did start with the brand. And, and we had that benefit because the brand had been around for a long time. And the kind of things that come up with Radio Flyer are love, uh, their smiles, their warm memories, their, it's imagination, it's playing outside, it's fun. So there were such strong, amazing emotions and images and that we could draw upon to say, you know, does our culture internally reflect how people experience our brand through the products? And in some cases it did, and in other cases it didn't. Um, and so then we said, well, in the cases that don't, how do we get better at that? And in the cases that do, how can we amplify that even more? So it was for us, it, the brand, I think, drove it a little bit more. I really love it when I see uh, companies understanding that link between external consumer experience and internal brand uh, ex- and employee experience, because it really does connect. And I think in today's world of transparency, we can feel that we can feel when there's a brand that we know comes from a good organization and we often know when a brand doesn't and and more and more um that's really important to consumers yeah i think one example of that is like our our the way we articulate our values we call our values the little red rule and the little red rule is every time we touch people's lives they'll feel great about radio flyer so we start asking ourselves you know are we doing that with our team and um, and so then we we actually created a, a a committee called the Warm Memories Committee, and and that group is responsible for recognizing and celebrating uh, employees' key milestones. So if somebody's getting married, if somebody's having a baby, um, we have these really really nice thoughtful ways of recognizing those events in people's lives at our monthly company meeting. Um, and and it's just a way that people feel like, wow, I'm I'm a part of this team. I'm valued. Um, they're celebrating the things that are important to me. And, and we just, we see it all the time how that impacts people in such a positive way. And I imagine it probably even goes further and impacts their lives and families and happiness even further than just the four walls of, of the organization. Yes, absolutely. That's really our goal. And, you know, we just kind of circling back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago is institutionalizing that culture. I think putting some of those um, things in place, such as the, the even the monthly meetings at a very baseline, but the celebrations or the things that you do that uh, really resonate internally, but also connect to what the brand stands for is something that a lot of leaders can think to do more of, because a lot of times culture is more of a wish than an action. And so it's uh, interesting to hear you say some of those ideas. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we are broadcasting from 1871, Chicago's Entrepreneurship Center, and there's a lot of emerging leaders coming out of here. So I'd like to talk a bit about some advice you might impart as an established leader and someone who has really um, created a great organization that people want to work for. So I was going to ask you about intentionality, and it, it sounds like we already touched on that. But going a little bit further, how would you explain to a younger or emerging leader why they should even think about culture and when they should think about it as they're building an organization? Uh, yeah, I would start with one of my favorite quotes from Peter Drucker, which is culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I think that's that's uh, that's the first thing I usually kind of say to people when they're thinking about yeah. that, because usually like, here's all the strategy stuff. Here's everything we're going to do. And we want to get the culture better. And I would say, well, wait a second. Like your your culture actually is is your strategy in many cases, because, you know, every company like every football team in the NFL, their goal is to win the Super Bowl. But what makes the difference is their culture, their daily habits, um, their practices. Um, and that's what, that those are the teams that win. And it's the same thing in business. So that's the first thing I'd say. And then the second thing I would say is that you don't, every little decision you make is really important in the culture and it's setting a precedent. And it's so much easier to get it right from the beginning. And it's not that hard to get it right from the beginning if you're being really intentional and it's a lot harder to correct it going forward and it's more painful and it requires letting people go and all the kind of stuff that nobody likes to do in any organization. So those are some of the things I would say. So you mentioned um, letting people go. So that begs the question, how do you recruit for cultural fit? How do you, Mm -hmm. how do you get at that? Yeah. A few different ways. I mean, one way that's really important to us is our internship program. 25% of our employees were interns. Okay. So it's a very high percentage. Um, and, you know, we're it's, we're trying people out. You know, we're right. having them work here real time. So we, we know them by the end of the internship and they know us. And then we know if it's going to be a match. So it's a, that's a very high success rate once we hire an intern. Um, another way when it's not from an intern is that, uh, we use the the who process um, for interviewing. It's a book by uh, Jeff Smart, and b- the most important part of the process is a behavioral interviewing. So interviewing people and asking for examples of behavior, mm. and by focusing on you know what did you do in the past, usually you can kind of get a feel for what their values are. But ultimately, it's until you start working together, it's really hard to find that out. And so the third part of it is that after we hire people, we have a very disciplined process um, in the first six months of evaluating that person to see if they're a match. And if at the end of that six months, it's not a, a definitive, yes, this person is a match, then we intervene very rapidly at that point to either say to the person, hey, it's not working, here's why, here's what needs to improve, or we just don't think it's going to work out and we'd all be better off if we just parted ways at this point. You, you mentioned some practices that you have as you're kind of evaluating, but do you have practices in place to retain or continuously evolve your culture to always kind of ob- observe it? Yes. We, one of the, I mean, to, one of the things that we've spent a lot of time is on is connecting people's daily work um, to the mission of our company and, and the ways we do that is by reminding everyone that whether you're, you know, actually designing products or if you're shipping products out of the warehouse or if you're talking to people on the customer service line, 
um, we're, we're delivering products that, you know, delight families. And we, at every company meeting, we show the, the most recent pictures that we've gotten. We get lots of wonderful pictures of kids smiling and having fun in our products. Um, we share what we call our love letters that we get from consumers and all these wonderful stories that people share with us about the wagon they had as a kid. And now they were able to get a new one for their kids and they love it just as much. And so we, we remind people about that. We share it with them all the time. And so there's a huge feel good component to that and pride that comes with that, that everybody feels on our team. Um, the other thing we do is we make sure that we're really giving people challenging work and that people know that the work that they're doing is having an impact on the results of the business. And one of the ways we do that is everybody in the company has five goals for the year. And we share those individual goals in, with throughout the teams. Everybody, there's a high level of transparency. Everybody knows what each other's goals are. There's a high level of accountability. Um, so people really know this is we're we're all pulling on the oars together. We're all in the boat together. We're all delivering these great things. And I feel like that really energizes the team. When you are thinking, I mean, it sounds like it's so in, embedded in your organization. I was going to ask you a question about, you know, cultivating lo- new leaders as they emerge. But um I suppose there it that's it becomes kind of a natural progression and it's not kind of a force fit at a particular time when there's some transition. It is a natural yeah, it is it is a natural progression and we really really um like to promote leaders from within um and we do that as much as we possibly can. So we've had people who have started out as an individual product engineer who are now leading, you know, complete functions and that's fantastic and we love that um one of the ways that we support people as they are on their leadership development journey um is that we have our lead our learning and development program is called wagon U, of course and, right. and uh, we have a we have a really fantastic uh program that helps managers develop um, we send people away for leadership development and um, and we're really able to deliver even though we're not a huge company we're able to deliver world-class learning and development so that people can continue to grow and evolve and make sure that they're really becoming their best selves. So in terms of the future, what role do you think culture is going to play for you? And as new leaders <laughs> come forth, I mean, I, I, I guess beyond obvious love for the company and internal, um, you know, we kind of started this conversation with it really translating into the brand. Do you think uh, some of the ways that you work are going to be able to un- unlock or tap into some new innovation? I know you've done a lot around innovation in the past few years. Yes, I think culture is going to continue to play an enormous role in being innovative because in order to be really innovative, we have to attract super smart, super creative people who feel that they have the freedom to make mistakes, to experiment, to push the limits and feel that they'll be supported. Um, and, And that's really what we've been able to develop here. And I think that's why we have had such so much success is that we we, we try a lot. We take a lot of shots with new products. Um, and when the products don't work well, we figure out why. And then we try to translate that into even more success. Um, yet just yesterday we had a company meeting and I use the analogy of planting seeds. We have to plant a lot of seeds. Um, we have to see what grows and then the stuff that's grown, we got to really 
you know, pour the water on and, and feed those plants mm-hmm. to, to have success. Yeah, I was um, reading a blog post that you had done a while back, and you said that Radio Flyer transports people to a place where they were loved when they were little and playing and laughing, fun, freedom, love, play, adventure, motion, and imagination, a time when anything was possible. It really does sound like, uh, you know, that is your description of your brand, but it also really sounds like uh, what life is like working at the organization. I don't know if you remember we, writing yeah, that we, a while yeah, back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we certainly we we definitely try for that, and I think the you know when we get we we do anytime we do a workplace award we get those survey results because 100 percent of the team is surveyed, and there's always a comment section, and you know we the the whole leadership team here reads every one of those comments, and I think that's one of the most gratifying times of of hearing people talk about how much they admire their teammates, you know, how much they enjoy being connected to this brand that puts smiles on people's faces. And, um, and it's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. I, um, I've been reading a lot about, you know, this transition from the manufacturing economy to the knowledge economy, meaning that, you know, we're not optimized. We can't optimize for output anymore, like an annual car release where every organization is very pre-programmed to that annual launch, very uh, long range thinking, functional segregation, optimizing for output, whereas some of the new, more agile organizations have to be uh, more bottom up because that's where the information is coming from and being responsive to continuous change, which is the environment we live in now. And that does require collaboration. And and more than anything, it really does uh, require humble leadership and the uh, the permission to fail and the permission to express yourself. And so um, I think, you know, what I'm hearing from you is that a, a culture that va- has those values can also be very innovative because you're going to be able to respond and hear and listen um, and potentially take more risks uh, than a company where maybe people are feeling segregated from other organizations. They may not get the information and they may be too afraid to take a chance. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think that's really a good point. And I think there's a kind of an underappreciation for when a culture is not highly functional or doesn't have high trust, there's all kinds of other stuff going on that is distracting, that is, you know, you know, sucking people's energy. And, um, and I think one of the most important parts of having a, a, a really good, strong culture is that you're not having to deal with all that other stuff. You know, you don't, then you don't have an HR team who's constantly putting out fires because people are behaving badly or, you know, all that stuff that goes along with, with, it's a lot of noise and it's a lot of distraction. So one of the things that people always say to me when they come here, if they, if they work somewhere else for a number of years, they come here and, and they'll say, I, after a few weeks, like, there's no politics here. There's no, there's no noise here. It's just people are working hard. They're working together. They're having fun. They're being creative. And I'm like, well, what do you, I don't know exactly what they mean. Right. Yeah. So long, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but, um, 
but I think that's that's kind of it's like good hygiene almost. That's a good way to think about it. That's that's a great analogy. So um, so what about, you know, and I'll kind of wrap it up with this. You know, we've talked a little bit about uh, talking to young emerging leaders who have the opportunity to create and focus on what culture means uh, beyond what product they're selling. But what about leaders that come into organizations or teams or divisions uh, that really are struggling with um, a, a really rough culture? What What are some of the things you might advise them to focus on? Um, maybe even if they can't change the whole institution, but they can they can impart some of your thinking within what they can affect their own team. Mm-hmm. Well, the most important thing is to lead by example, and um, and I think that can't be overstated. And the second thing is to, to from day one, there should be zero tolerance for bad behavior. And and when I say bad behavior, I mean of you know sarcasm there can be zero sarcasm Mm -hmm. you know there Mm -hmm. there has to be just really really clean language building people up celebrating success Um, and the third thing i think is just being really really clear with your expectations i think so much between leaders and a team there's a lot of of noise around people a leader thinks they're being clear on their expectations and they're they're maybe they're not um and then holding people accountable to meet those expectations, uh, and then, but doing it with a huge amount of kindness and respect, um, and really showing people, showing people that you care about them, um, that the, the heart has got to be there. People have to feel that you care about them and respect them, or it's not going to happen. Uh, and it couldn't be more uh, important to recognize that today. It seems simple, but it doesn't seem like. Uh, I think maybe in this day and age, people are overwhelmed, overworked, stressed, and and it seems like something that gets neglected. And when we're in a talent war, we know today that younger generations are not going to stay put and climb the ladder to success like previous generations. They're they're not looking for lifetime employment or the biggest profitable company. They're looking for companies that they can connect with and that share their values. And so I can't underscore how important it is. And, and we see it so rarely. So Radio Flyer's mission is to bring smiles and create warm memories that last a lifetime. Mr. Robert Passon, it's been a true pleasure speaking with you today. Thanks so much for being on the show and best of luck to you and your awesome team. Thank you, Nicole. It's been a pleasure. I want to thank everyone for listening in and joining us on Free Range Brands. And I especially want to thank Mr. Robert Passon of Radio Flyer for sharing his insights with us. You can find all things Radio Flyer at RadioFlyer.com. If you have a brand story to share, shoot us an email at hello at freerangebrands.com and we'll consider you as a future guest of the show. And in return, I'd love to send you a complimentary copy of Free Range Brands, the book. Please join us next time when we talk to Mr. Dennis Culleton, the man you want to call when issues or crises emerge. Dennis has navigated Fortune 100 executives and business leaders, high-profile sports figures, and even major sports teams through crises and shares tips on how to move quickly when the worst happens. Till then, we'll see you on the free range.